What's going on, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Upright Health Podcast. This is Matthew, your host. And in this episode, I get to share with you a conversation that I had with Matt Shu about mental mistakes that, when made, lead to or potentially cause pain. These are mistakes that are easy to make and also easy to miss. So listen in for four and a half mistakes that you might be making or could make if you're not aware of them that will lead you to pain or keep you in pain. Here it comes. So, Mr. Shu, in the world of health and fitness, pain is a big topic, both in, well, in all aspects of that industry, in my experience of it. I'm curious, in your perspective, what are some of the big mistakes that people are currently making that lead to pain? Uh, well, there's a bunch of mistakes, so um, we're going to boil it down, I think, to just four maybe five. Um, I think the first one that results in a lot of pain and unnecessary suffering for people is just plain not paying attention. So if you've listened to any of our other podcasts or watched any of our videos, you've probably heard this before. You've got to pay attention to how you do an exercise. The form um, really matters to how your body feels afterwards or even during. Um, so I think that one, if we're talking about mistakes, that's the first one that everybody needs to start paying attention to. So if you're doing a deadlift and you're doing it wrong, I'm sorry, but you deserve your pain. <laughs> <laughs> the harsh reality. <laughs> the harsh reality of upright health. Um, you know, and if, you know, I, I think also, um, Relating to that, you know, when people are doing like even yoga or they're doing Pilates, same stuff, right? It's, you know, are you paying attention to how you're doing it? Are you using the right muscles while you're doing it? If you're compensating, it's no longer mysterious, right? If you're compensating, you're doing the wrong thing and stuff complains. Yeah, I think just the thought that came up as you mentioned yoga is it's not just about getting into the shape that you want to get into. It's about mm-hmm. getting into the shape that you want to get into correctly. Right. <laughs> yep. so you can force your body into some places that it's not ready for, and it will result in pain and injury. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have done that. Same. Many times. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, I think the second uh, the second mistake um, is, this one's a little bit harder for people to, to deal with, but um, it's not doing the right exercises. So this this is probably a, a really murky one because there are literally an infinite number of exercises you could be choosing from. So, you know, we've seen people countless times um, with like hip, uh, hip pain diagnoses, with whether it's a labral tear or FAI or degenerating, blah, 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 blahs. Um, They've been to physical therapy, they've tried different exercises, and it doesn't help or it makes things worse. Um, usually we're able to figure out that they were doing the wrong thing. Right. 
sometimes we have trouble figuring that out. It takes time to figure that out. But I am of the firm belief that you can figure that out if you're willing to spend the time, pay attention, and see what what things are influencing the body to feel the way it does. Um, so, you know, I, I think a really concrete example of, you know, poor exercise selection is actually one um, that uh, my buddy Shane and I just made a video about where, um, you know, we were looking at a physical therapy protocol for people who have hip impingement, you know, FAI, femoroacetabular impingement. And um, in that video, like we go through this protocol, one of the exercises in this protocol is to do a, is to hold on to a medicine ball in front of like a, a, a low plyo box and then do a rear lunge and then extend your arms in front of you and then tap the ball to the box in front of you with I think the goal of trying to activate the glutes um, but I mean you have plenty of experience yourself training people you're all, I think you already realize, like, maybe that's not the best place to start <laughs> <laughs> with somebody who has trouble with their hips. Like, the, the complexity of emotion like that yeah. is inappropriate for a beginner. Yeah. But that's what they're using as a, as a protocol to use for somebody with hip pain. For anybody listening to this, as, as Matt was bringing <laughs> that up, my face got real skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know... There's p part of the difficulty for the average person is that when you go to see a professional, especially somebody like a physical therapist, you assume that, like, you feel that it's safe to assume that the professional has a certain amount of context and training that would that would guide their decisions about what they're having you do. And, and in the best case scenario, that is a true, valid. <laughs> Uh, fact, but I think the reality in practice is that there are a lot of people who are professionals who mean to who mean well and want to do good things for other people, but are not critically thinking while they're trying to do those good things, and so are misapplying things to people. And especially in the medical world, like an example like this is like if you're trying to do evidence-based medicine, quote unquote. If the only thing that somebody has studied, if the only exercise protocol for hip impingement that somebody has done any study on is this crappy protocol, that's the only evidence available, so you use it. Right. <laughs> right? So it's you're kind of trapped with a crappy protocol if all you study is crappy protocols. If you even assume that a protocol that fits everybody is going to work for everybody. Which is, in my experience, pretty safe to assume that any protocol that's supposed to work for everybody is a crappy protocol. Right, exactly. <laughs> Sing it louder, sir. <laughs> so, um, so not doing the right exercises is a tough one, but um, that's where people need to look. Um, because just, you know, just because you did the magic three ab exercises that are supposed to cure all back pain doesn't mean that those magic three back pain exercises are magic for you. In fact, they're probably not. Right. Yeah. Right. Explore. Explore. Please explore. <laughs> okay, so that was two. That was two. What's number three? Number three is doing too much. 
doing way too damn much. <laughs> so um, I've gotten emails from people who will say, you know, I, I do my best to be fit. I do high intensity interval training four days a week <coughs> uh, for, you know, it's 45, <laughs> it's between 20 or 40 minutes of heavy weightlifting. Why are you, why are you swallowing so hard <laughs> over my there? Body, <laughs> my body is having a visceral reaction to this <laughs> statement. I'm going into pain. Ah. <laughs> uh, Wait, have you seen this too, Matthew? I have seen this too. Yeah. I used to work at a place that perpetuated this. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those places. Don't so. work there anymore. Yep. There's a lot of those places. So um, your body needs time to recover from stuff. <laughs> and I, I have seen, I know that there are people who are capable of doing some of these higher intensity workout routines with no apparent short or medium term negative effects. And I know that there are also some people who are able to maintain these regimens um, and they end up with good physiques, they aesthetically look good, et cetera, et cetera. But I also know that a lot of people are not capable of maintaining that schedule and are not, their bodies just cannot handle that kind of stress and strain whether it's because genetically they don't have, you know, the the muscle building capacity as somebody else, whether it's because they only sleep four hours a night, whether it's because they, you know, eat crappy food, whether it's a, whether it's a variable that they control or not, the variable is there and it needs to be respected. Um, lately, I've been thinking more and more about, like, all the weightlifting advice that goes out on, like, YouTube and just on the Internet in general. And, you know, it's it's being put out by guys who are often huge right and like they are muscular they are stronger than i will ever even dream of being <laughs> at this point <laughs> um but that's just because that one individual is capable of doing that routine doesn't mean that everybody else should even attempt to do that yeah 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 a lot of the stuff that's put out there that i see is built for outliers Right. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's number three. What's number four? Um, I actually wanted to add something. Oh to yeah. Number sorry. Three. Please don't um, let me rush you. If um, I'm so rushed. God, Matthew. You're <sighs> Sometimes I rush. rush Sometimes so I rush. Um, so I actually saw this really funny um, Instagram post. Um, it filtered through my normal social media filters. It was funny enough that somehow it got to me. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, I don't actually have Instagram on my phone because my brain cannot handle the, the temptation. It's probably a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably take it off of mine. <laughs> I, I don't know how people live with it. I do not have the self-control. Anyway, um, sunny in Phil it's always sunny in Philadelphia, the TV show. Okay. Um, you're familiar with it? I'm familiar with it. I haven't watched it, but oh. I, I do know what it is. Okay. So, um, context is there's a character um, on there who, uh, his name is Mac. And uh, when the show first started, he was just, so he, he was kind of like a, you know, he, you could tell he works out. Um, you know, he's fairly lean, whatever. Um, and he's just sort of like a, not a goofball, but he, 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 He's just a funny character who tries a little bit too hard with a lot of things. In any case, um, in one of the subsequent seasons, he, as a gag, he decided he was just going to get real fat. 
So he would do an entire season really fat. So he's got like a beer belly. He's just he just spent the off season just getting really <laughs> fat. And I think his his diet was just insane. He was eating like five thousand calories a day. He was having like multiple donuts, just like doing everything he could to get overweight and just look as um, what we consider aesthetically not pleasing as possible. Okay. So then he did a whole season like that, and then in this latest season, he spent his off-season training to get lean and muscular like Instagram buff, right? And so he put up this Instagram post, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, he's got a before and after picture, one of him in his least fit, you know, least aesthetic state, and one of him in his current, like, crazy muscular buff, like, just, you know, Wolverine type look. And um, his caption, I'm paraphrasing, um, is basically like, I don't know why people don't do this more often. All it took was running three to four miles six days a week, lifting weight six days a week, carefully measuring everything I eat. <laughs> Hiring uh, a very expensive personal trainer for Hollywood stars to work with me six days a week and having your rich uh, network buddies foot the bill for nine months. Also, P.S., this is a really realistic um, measurement for people to, or metric to measure people, me for people to measure themselves against. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> should be doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The, oh, uh, and sleeping eight hours a night. I think that's what he, he also added that in. <laughs> that's the thing is, that, like, for anybody that isn't, I mean, that's just a great, a, a great summary of what it takes to look like these people that we see on the cover of magazines, yeah. the cover of, you know, all over Instagram blowing up, YouTube blowing up, yeah. well, name it. It's, these are the people that we look up to as like, oh, that's what a man should look like, or that's right. what a woman should look like. Right. Like, yeah, sure. If all they're worried about is their <laughs> physique. That yep. is what you could look like. Yep. But is it actually, and then, you know, one of the things that I like to kind of bring it back to is, is it actually healthy? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because right. that lifestyle sustained long-term, I don't care who you are, you're going to break yep. eventually. Yeah. You're yep. putting way more stress on your body than is going to actually be health promoting. So at what cost does your physique come? Exactly. I, I think one thing that people often don't, one thing people don't hear enough is um, from bodybuilders actually talking about how they don't maintain that look year-round. Very few, anyway, are capable yeah. of physically maintaining the cut, lean, super muscular look throughout the year. It's just it's yeah. really difficult. Yeah, it's if you, not impossible. If you talk to those guys the days like the day before they go into show, like. They're not happy. <laughs> right. They're having a really tough time. Like, they do not feel good in that state. Uh, all right. So all that right. wraps up number three, doing too much. Don't do too much. Uh, the fourth one, though, is um, I, I think is really, really, really important um, to people who are struggling with chronic pain or recurring pain. And um, it's kind of a two-pronged thing here. And that's number one is getting discouraged too early or sorry i can't use numbers under numbers this is sub point a sub point a <laughs> this is for, for a, a. <laughs> getting discouraged too early um because you know sometimes results take time 
Um, I, I usually will tell people with any kind of stretch, any kind of exercise, at least give it two weeks, you know, to see what's going on, to see what its effect is. Um, I know that's difficult advice to take. I myself find it difficult sometimes <laughs> to take that advice. But give it a little bit of time to see what it does for your body. Um, and if you can be more patient, do it longer, then do it a little bit longer. Um, related to this, item 4B is um, thinking that when you have pain for a long time, that something is seriously damaged. Um, and this comes up all the time with the, the people we work with, right? Is especially here in Silicon Valley. It's just like people have back pain, they've got shoulder pain, they've got different joints hurting all the time. And that doesn't always go away quickly. It doesn't always go away the first time. Like some people, you do, you know, a couple days of exercise <laughs> and it goes away, which is awesome, fantastic. Some people doesn't. Right. Some people, the pain goes away and then it comes back because there's some other variable or something else, some other piece of context that you're missing. And I think the biggest mistake and the one that breaks my heart to see, I like it's, it's just the most heartbreaking to watch, is when somebody um, you know, has pain recur and their thought is, oh, well, that must mean it's really bad. And then I need to have that surgery to fix it. Um, it's the toughest one for me to swallow. And, and it's one that we try to educate people about, you know, on an art with articles and YouTube videos. Right? People often equate that pain to meaning something is really damaged. And that is not a safe assumption. Right. Based on scientific evidence, based on um, anecdotal experience, based on large-scale population studies, just because something hurts for a long time doesn't necessarily mean that it's really messed up. It could, but believe it or not, it's actually rare that long-standing pain is actually a sign of something being really bad. In my experience from, you know, watching this happen over and over again, it's it's more likely a sign that you have just been ignoring something for a very long time and you need to learn how to treat your body a different way in order to get it to stop chattering at you. <laughs> right, right. Um, One of the concepts that comes up for me is like in, in a lot of these cases of chronic pain and my experience of them is that they took a long time to build up to the level of pain that they're currently at. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense to me just rationally that something that took a long time to occur might take some time to mm. eliminate yep. um, or to even figure out how to go about beginning to alleviate. Right. It's, you know, some of these things are not, it's subtle. Mm -hmm. The body is a very complicated system and little things down the chain can affect the whole body. Yep. 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 I, you know, it's, it's, um, it's funny when you kind of zoom out and you think like, first of all, that we even have to like have a discussion about like mind body connection. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, 
it's funny in my it's it's funny to me because like how could there not be <laughs> a connection? Who, it's all isolated parts, Matshu. How do we even <laughs> begin to conceive of this like true separation? Especially, I mean, like at this point in 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 human society and knowledge of like nutrition and disease and you know just our lives now like how how can we even say oh yeah it's mind we have to pay attention to the mind body connection there's one freaking thing <laughs> if i i can affect your mind for sure by affecting your body yep right there's just there's literally no question you're you're sitting here with your foot out in a stretch i could grab your big toe and start torquing it and i guarantee it would affect the cadence of your speech and the cadence of your thoughts, right? And the focus of your thoughts. I would drastically affect your mind by grabbing your big toe and twisting it. Yep, my right? thoughts would get violent pretty quickly. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, as I pull my foot away from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there, there is zero, there is no disconnection in the body. If and mind like it's all one thing one unit everything that we do that affects the mind affects the body everything that we do that affects the body affects the mind yeah. period yeah and this is scientifically proven <laughs> at this point like there's <laughs> there's no debate left here there, there really shouldn't be any debate on this but I, I think just you know as we grow up we're generally it just it just insinuates this idea insinuates itself into us and we, we kind of take it to heart and we're like, oh, like, there's no such thing as mind-muscle connection. Like, th that's one that's been bumping around in my head recently. I remember mm -hmm. reading this early on when I was getting into exercise and, um, you know, massage work. I, I'd see people say, like, is this mind-muscle connection really a thing? You know, like, bodybuilders talk about it, but it sounds like BS, right? You know, the more you pay attention, first of all, Yes, there's a mind muscle connect there's a brain muscle connection. <laughs> <laughs> so um you know people people just kind of we we feel like muscles don't really give us information, but they do, right? Like yeah. you have to be listening, but they will they will give you information if you listen. And if you don't listen, then the information gets much louder. So something that just popped into my head just as kind of a way to to bring this into a cohesive unit, at least for myself, is mm -hmm. everything is connected. We're not conscious of all of the connection, but it doesn't right. make it less connected. Right. And one of the things that I've found to be extremely helpful in my training to get out of various different pains over the years has been to become conscious of more mm -hmm. in my body, yeah. which is a practice. Yeah. <laughs> And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And, and it's like the, the more subtle the things are, the more attentive awareness it requires in order to become conscious of it. Right. I mean, that completely dovetails with um, studies that they've done on, on hardcore Buddhist monks. Yeah. If you can call them hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> the most aggressive Buddhist monks. <laughs> um, they can control things that, the rest of us can't control like where their blood flow goes and what their heart rate rests at. They can control those things. And because they've taken the time, exactly as you've said, they take the time to develop awareness and attentiveness that the rest of us are not taking the time to develop. Yeah. Right. Um, 
you have any final words on the subject of pain? Um, I think the recap here is important. So I, I want to make sure people take away these, these four key points. So it's, you know, pay attention. Uh, not paying attention will force you to pay attention. Right? You will get pain and then you will have to pay attention. Um, make sure you're doing the right exercises. Right? If, if some exercises are making things worse, don't do those. Choose something else. Yes, there is a lot to choose from, but that is the only path that makes sense. Doing the same thing to get the same and expecting a different result. Is the definition of insanity. Yes, thank you. And then don't do too much, right? So respect your actual limits. If you know you are trying to do a new exercise, you might not be able to do it a hundred times. <laughs> so maybe What do you mean I can't do a hundred <laughs> pull ups? You can obviously you can do a hundred pull ups. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um well maybe you should start with like sixty today and then yeah. you can work up you to at least eighty today, right? <laughs> I could do eight yesterday. <laughs> eighty today is no problem. Um Yeah, so uh manage manage the volume, manage the amount that you're doing, but you know don't don't just rush headlong in and also don't shoot too low. You wanna shoot for some kind of medium level of challenge that you can adequately recover from. And then finally, this is the most important piece, I think, and it's um, recognize that change takes time. Don't get discouraged early. Don't get discouraged quickly. What, whatever you know, discouraging thoughts you have in your mind, you're not the only one who's had those. I guarantee that I have had so many uh, low points where I've thought, well, this sucks. This is never getting better. This has happened so many times. But if you keep working at whatever your issue is, you can eventually figure out what variables you need to adjust. Um, and just because that pain has been hanging around for a while does not mean something is horribly, horribly wrong with your body. In fact, quite to the contrary, your body and your everything is probably working exactly the way it should in telling you that something is wrong. So those are the key takeaways. Uh, I hope you find them helpful, and I hope you remember that pain sucks. Life shouldn't. Thank you for tuning in to the Upright Health Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it educational. If you are interested in pursuing more knowledge, check out uprighthealth.com forward slash DIY for a variety of do-it-yourself programs that you can do at home or in a gym on your own time. Also, please check out our YouTube channel, Upright Health, where you can find hundreds of free videos from our expert coaches. Again, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your time. And please, please remember, pain sucks. Life shouldn't.